0: This morning we're continuing to look at some of the parables that Jesus teaches in the Gospel of Luke. And as Vicky told you, we're looking at the parable of the prodigal son this morning from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Uh, before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 11. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I have no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and he went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the slaves and asked what was going on, and he replied, your brother has come. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of the strange realizations that I have had as I have gotten older is that I am becoming more and more like my parents. Maybe you've had that realization too. I've always known that I had characteristics of my parents, of course. My mother has always been caring and compassionate for children, and so I think that's where I get my care and compassion for children. My father's always been a perfectionist and very hard on himself, and I think that's where I get my perfectionist nature, kind of hard on myself. But Lately, it seems that I've even started to say the same words that they say, even tell the same stories that they tell. In fact, a couple of years ago, my brother and I were were shopping for a birthday present for my mother, and my brother, who is a little more generous with his money than I am, he pointed out a gift and said, let's get this this gift for mom. This will be a a gift that she will like. We should uh, just split the cost, and she'll love it. And I said, that's a good idea, or we can get these two smaller gifts that are a little less expensive. After all, it's the thought that counts. My uh, my brother looked at me and smiled, and he said, "You know who you sound like? You sound like Dad." We all sort of start to realize over the years that we become more and more like our parents, maybe even in spite of ourselves. We try our whole lives to to self-differentiate ourselves from our parents. That's what it means to to grow up and try to become our own persons. But uh, over time, we start to realize that in spite of the fact that we're trying to be different, trying to be our own persons, we slowly realize that there are parts of our parents that just mold us and shape us and help us to become who we are. I wonder if Jesus had a little bit of that in mind when he told this parable of the prodigal son this morning. This is one of my favorite parables. And like all of Jesus' parables, all of Jesus' stories, I like to read them over and over again to try to figure out where I fit into each of these parables. As you know, Vicki just told you the story. I just read you the story. It's the, the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. In and, and, and some different in Bibles, it's even called the, the parable of the generous father. I think all of those labels are pretty good labels for this story. The younger son decides that for whatever reason he is tired of being at home, he is ready to self-differentiate, to, to head out on his own, to, to start his life on his own. And so he asks his father for his inheritance We tend to think of this as a very disrespectful thing, saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me your money so I could go on on my own and forget that you're even alive. Without much fuss or fight, that's exactly what the father does. Gives him this money so that he can go off and try to make it on his own. But as you know in the story, the younger son wastes all the money away. Then a famine comes to the land, and he is probably in, finds himself in probably the dirtiest place for a good Jewish person to be, feeding the pigs, feeding the hogs. And that's when it says he comes to himself and he realizes, you know, my father's slaves are treated better than this. If I just go back and live with my father, not as a son, but as a slave, as a hired hand, then I will be treated better than I'm treated now. And so he heads back home, hoping that his father will take him in as a servant. His father sees him from a distance, though, and he never gets the chance to apply for the job because his father, seeing him, runs out with open arms, falls on him with love, with hugs, with kisses, with tears, wraps him in a robe, gives him a ring, restores him to being his son. The son that was lost is now found. Everything seems all right. This son is forgiven. This son is welcomed back into the home. And it would be all right if the story stopped right there. But then we hear... That there's another son, an older son, a son who has remained at home this whole time, who's been the responsible son, who's honored his father and his mother, who's done all the things that he's supposed to do, who's, who's done all the things the, to help the family grow, to help the farm grow, to, to keep his father in good standing and goodwill. He's done everything that his father's asked for, and now he finds out that this younger son, this disrespectful son, is home, and they're throwing a party for him. Now as you know this makes the older son angry and he refuses to go into the party. I read this this parable a lot probably because I'm a younger son myself. I have an older son or older brother just a year older than me. Maybe that's why this appeals to me so much. But I read this a lot because I try to figure out where do I fit in in this story? Who is Jesus trying to call us to be with this parable? Am I supposed to be the younger son? Am I supposed to be the younger, the older son? Where, where do we fit in and what are we supposed to learn from a parable like this? Maybe we're supposed to all be like that younger son. That seems to make sense. After all, the younger son gets the party at the end of the story. The younger son is celebrated. He's the one who comes in and confesses our sins, his sins just like we did earlier this morning. Maybe we're all supposed to be like that younger son. But for those of you who are parents, you know that you would never wish for your children to be like that younger son. Well, none of us would ever wish our children to go through the pain and the suffering that this younger son went through in order to discover what they knew all along, that their blessings were there if they just wouldn't take them for granted, that their parents loved them in spite of themselves. We all set high expectations for our children. We would much rather our children be like that older son rather than that younger son. Even when we baptize children, we hope and pray that there is never a day in their lives that they will go without understanding God's grace and God's love and that they are full of potential for who they are called to be and what God is calling them to do. We set high expectations for our children. In fact, uh, in my desk drawer, I I carry a little letter, a prayer that was written. I think I've read this to you before. It was written by General Douglas MacArthur in World War II. He was halfway around the world when he realized that his son had just been born back in the United States. And halfway around the world, wanting to offer a prayer for his son, he wrote this prayer and this high expectations for his son. He said, build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and brave enough to face himself when he is afraid. One who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishbone will not be where his backbone should be. A son who will know thee, and that to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and the spur and difficulties and challenge. Here let him learn to stand up in the storm, Here, let him learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a son whose heart will be clean, whose goal will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master others, one who will learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep, one who will reach into the future, yet never forget the past. And after all of these things, add, I pray, enough of a sense of humor so that he may always be serious, yet never take himself too seriously." Give him humility so that he may always remember the simplicity of greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength. And then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. Those are the kind of sons and daughters that we look for. That sounds a lot more like the older son than the younger son. No wonder the younger son had to get away hearing those kinds of expectations, if those were the expectations his father had for him, as beautiful as that prayer might be, he had to flee, to go out on his own and try to find his own way, only to discover that he couldn't make it on his own, only to discover that all that he needed, the love and support and grace that all of us need was right there for him all along. No, none of us want to be like that younger son having to hit rock bottom in order to come to ourselves. But the truth is, it's not any easier to be the older son either. Maybe some of you have experienced that in your own life, that you've been an an older son in your life. You've been an older child, the responsible one, the one who always does the right thing, who's always done what your parents or what your workplace or what the church or even maybe what God has called you to do. You've always tried to be faithful no matter what. And all you want in the midst of all of that is just... A little bit of acknowledgement, a little bit of respect, a little bit of, well, recognition for what you have done, just like this older son. Julianne and I have been reading a book called uh, The Book of Forgiveness. It was written by Desmond Tutu. It's a beautiful little book, and we've been reading it together. But there's a little anecdote that Desmond Tutu tells in there that, that reminds me of the older son in this story. You all know Desmond Tutu had, had worked hard his entire life trying to work to, against apartheid in South Africa. He had, had served his church and served people as a humanitarian all around the world. And finally one day he tells the story of going to Washington, D.C. To, to be honored at a banquet there. It was a banquet with lots of different dignitaries. It was going to be a wonderful, incredible day. In fact, there was a famous television personality who was going to be the MC of the banquet. And so he was sitting in the hotel waiting to go to this banquet when one of the people in the hotel came right up to him and said sir you're not supposed to be here you're supposed to bring your car around front and you're not supposed to be sitting inside bring your car up front and the mc will come out and and you can drive them over desmond tutu realized this person thinks i'm the driver i'm here to be honored i'm here to get the award and this person thinks i'm the driver well, it seems like maybe an innocent mistake, but the person was fairly rude to him. And in fact, it reminded him in his life of all the other times that people had been rude to him, hurtful to him in spite of the fact that he was just trying to do the right thing. All he wanted was just to be recognized for what he had done. And so he got angry. He got angry at the man at the hotel, announced who he was, and demanded an apology. He said it took him a lot of time to get over that anger. Not just the anger of that moment, but the anger of all that he had gone through in his life. But he finally realized that to feel anger is human. But to be locked and shackled in anger is to be a prisoner. And he didn't want to be a prisoner. And so he had to learn how to let that anger go. I experienced this older son as being very angry. Angry because he had done the right thing his entire life. And he had never received the recognition for it. Never earned that love and grace that he thought he was earning. And I don't think any of us are called to be like that older brother either. Because you see, the older brother and the younger brother, they actually have the exact same problem. They both believe that grace and love are earned. The younger son realizes he can't earn it, and so he leaves. The older son believes he can earn it and lives his life in bitterness and self-righteousness. No, we're not called to be either one of those. The older son or the younger son. The older child or the younger child. But then the question is, is who are we called to be? Well, that's why Jesus gives us the third option. Maybe, just maybe... Jesus tells us this parable so that we might dare to be a little bit more like the Father. Now normally we don't put ourselves in the the footprints of the Father because that's reserved for Jesus, that's reserved for God. But if we, as children of God, are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, if we are called to love one another the way God has loved us, the way the Gospel of John says, then we are called to be like the Father. We are called to be compassionate, to welcome home those people who have betrayed us and hurt us, to forgive them with ultimate compassion, with extravagant compassion, maybe in some people's eyes, even wasteful compassion. That's who we are called to be as children of God, people who are compassionate to both older sons and younger sons, Pharisees and tax collectors. In that same little book that Julianne and I are reading, there's a wonderful little story that Desmond Tutu shares, it's a a story of two people, Dan and Lynn Wagner. They tell the story of how they were driving home one night from church and on their way home they were in a terrible car accident. Another woman named Lisa with her two children ran into them and and caused a terrible accident. Lisa was high on drugs and alcohol at the time. And and Dan and Lynn were sent to the hospital and had to, to spend their life a long time in recovery. But that wasn't the worst part of it for them because the accident took the lives of their two children. Thankfully, Lisa... Pled guilty. She did not want to put them through anything more, and so she pled guilty to the charges and went straight to prison. And Dan and Lynn were left to try to figure out how to pick up their lives and how to move forward. Lynn decided to start telling her story to people around her, to to friends and and to neighbors, and they were engrossed in all that they had been through and, and learning from all that they had experienced. And finally, Lynn decided, for some strange reason, she wanted to share this story with Lisa the woman who had committed this terrible crime. And so she wrote Lisa a letter and sent it to her in prison, a letter that that told the story of her two children who are now no longer with her, who told the story of the pain and the suffering that she had been through. But to Lynn's surprise, Lisa wrote her back and told the story of her own children who were now living at home without a mother because their mother was in prison, told her of her own struggles with drugs and alcohol, And they began to write each other back and forth, back and forth, learning each other's story. And then finally, one day, Lynn and Dan got another letter. This time from the police department that said Lisa was about to be uh, released on parole. And Dan and Lynn did the unthinkable. They told the police they wanted to, to meet with Lisa. They wanted to meet with her face to face. They didn't know why, but something was just drawing them to meet this person that they had not seen since that accident many years ago. The police set it up so that they could meet together, and Dan and and Lynn went into the police station, not knowing how they would react to seeing this person face to face. But when the door opened and they saw Lisa there, and they knew her story already, they fell upon her with hugs, with kisses, with tears, just like a parent falling upon a lost child. They loved her and cared for her. And Lynn and Lisa started going and sharing that same story together. Churches and schools. Working together to, to let other people know and let other people learn about the story that they shared. Not only the dangers of drugs and alcohol, but also the power of forgiveness. When people ask Lynn, how could you forgive this woman who took your children away? She said, the most powerful thing I can do is forgive. That's the kind of God we believe in, a God who in spite of the fact that we betray God time and again, in spite of the fact that sometimes we are self-righteous and we believe that God owes us more, that God continues to forgive us and welcome us home again and again. And so our choice is not to try to be the younger son or the older son, the younger child or the older child. We all are younger children and older children. No, our choice is to decide decide if we're going to try to be more like that father. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to do that. I don't know if you noticed, but he leaves the parable open-ended. He doesn't tell us the end of the story. The story ends with the the father and the older son standing outside the party, and we are left to wonder, what happens? Does the older son go in? How does the story end? We have to end it for ourselves. For my part, I like to believe that the older son did go back in, that he reconciled with his younger brother, that they celebrated together, and then... Over the years, had children of their own. Their father eventually died, but they continued to try to raise their children the best they could. And then one day, the younger son picked up the phone and called his older brother. He said, I need your advice. You're not going to believe this. My daughter's called us again. She's betrayed us so many times before. She's put us through so much pain, so much suffering, so much worry. And now she's called and asked on top of everything else, can she come home? What in the world do you think we ought to do? And the older brother sighs on the other end of the line and says, make up the guest bedroom. Turn the porch light on. Tell her you'll wait up for her. The younger brother chuckles on the other end of the line and says, you know who you sound like? You sound like Dad. And the older brother replies, I hope so. To the glory of God. Amen.